Welcome to Amgo Radio 9.2. Got it! How are yeah. you? Yeah. Like, you haven't missed one in weeks now. Wow. We've only done this for two weeks. <laughs> it's a new record! All right. Well, uh, we are we are here to preview the upcoming game against the Bowling Green Fighting Falcons. Scott Leffler, the coach, various Michigan people deposited throughout the coaching staff. But most importantly, Bowling Green has a curling rink. So they've got one up on us already. Okay, Ryan. Nothing? Nothing? Curling? <laughs> Steve Eiserman likes I'm... Bowling Green more than Michigan. Wait, why do you say that? Because he's a huge fan of curling. Oh, this is, I didn't know that. That's that's a very important <laughs> Steve Eiserman fact, Brian. How do you grow up in Detroit not knowing all the Steve Eiserman facts? Well, I I didn't really grow up in Detroit, but that's a time for another time. Uh, anyway, uh, the Bowling Green Falcons are one and one, coming off a thirty-four twenty-four loss at Liberty in their opener. Then they defeated the Eastern Illinois Panthers thirty-eight to fifteen. They sit at one and one on the season. Uh, the S and P plus spread for this is. 41, 43, it's a lot. I'm, I'm, uh, while you pull up the sponsors, I'm taking the under uh, for pretty much every one of these games. <laughs> I think that these numbers are still set because they're based off of how people bet, and their people have not adjusted yet to like the shortening of Michigan games in particular. Plus, Michigan is not caring. Of our sponsors. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at ugpmichiganapparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the amgoblogstore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, Human Element, Winewood Organics, and Signal Wire, where we are now. Apologies, I encountered some confusing punctuation. I do this for a living. Anyway. The Bowling Green offense will be familiar to anyone who watched last year's Indiana game. Connor Basilak transfers in as a grad transfer, and he's playing behind more or less the same offensive line. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, starting your sentence with it'll be familiar to anyone who saw Indiana's offense last year is like, that's that's rough, Brian. Well, it's that's what it's going to look like, right? So I went back and I was checking out some some numbers. And in their last three games against Power 5 competition over the past couple of years, you know, they have not moved the ball. And last year against Michigan, Basilak went down seven times, passed for like four yards in attempts, 50 times. <laughs> and given what is likely to happen when Bowling Green tries to run the ball, it just feels like he's going to have another... 50 attempt day where he's completing half his passes and most of those are behind the line of scrimmage and then every time he tries to go downfield he's gonna be running for his life yeah i mean they don't run the same offense as indiana i mean they're not as screen heavy and that kind of thing but uh, my thing when evaluating these teams right now is the way michigan's defensive line is playing if the team doesn't have a good offensive line it's just hard to see this game developing into anything at all right they how, how is the other team going to move the ball if they're getting swallowed up at the line of scrimmage? And this is a team that was really struggling in pass pro against Liberty. And so when you take that and you compare it to what Michigan's been doing to their non-conference opponents, it kind of looks like a bloodbath before you even get into any details. And um, I think it's more likely that Basilak is lifted for Camden Orth than it is that uh, Bowling Green moves the ball in any meaningful way. That was actually one of the things I just posted the preview, and one of the things to worry about is you should worry if Connor Basilak plays the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly for Connor Basilak. <laughs> I mean, are you a little concerned that uh, I'm, I'm trying? Like, if you're going to pick something that that Bowling Green could do well that Michigan does not defend well, is there kind of a dink and dunk team? Like you, there's a difference between passing behind the line of scrimmage and passing three yards in front of the line of scrimmage, a la Akron in uh, 2013, right? Where like they just yeah. dunk, dunk you down the field, and Michigan wants to go practice their zone plays. They have cornerbacks who generally play off, and there's going to be some space to throw underneath, which is you know if you're Bowling Green, that's what you're best at. I mean, is there? Because Michigan so far has been. I mean, they play off coverage, but they play off coverage at four or five yards. They're not sitting at the sticks. So if you want to throw a hitch against that, that's fine. If you want to hitch and go, I mean, we've seen a lot of fades tried by teams like UNLV and uh, ECU. So I feel like it's going to be a similar situation because those teams, I mean, if there was a five-yard pass there, they would have taken it, right? They would have tried to. 
Uh, I mean, I they both want. they both did to. I mean, when you look at like what did the other teams get on Michigan? That's well, yeah, but, right. <laughs> like, so yeah, find something. <laughs> it, I mean, that's uh, there. I mean, it, it's a situation where they might be pass first and be able to pick up a few first downs here and there. But you know, every time Michigan drops someone unexpectedly into a slant area, I mean. That's going to be a situation where basically has to pull the ball down, and then is it time for him to to die? Probably. So, I, if we're trying to dredge up concerns about this defense against the offense, I mean, I would actually be interested to see what happens when Orth comes in, yeah. and if they have a, a real Rich Rodriguez, we're going to have eleven guys run involved in running the ball in every play because that's always hard. And honestly, Michigan hasn't seen an offense like that in a, a long time. I was so, in like Indiana 2021, but when that one doesn't even count, right? Yeah, it was Donovan McCauley, right? So that's kind of fallen out of vogue in college football, and it would be interested, interesting to see how well prepared Michigan is to defend it. But I just don't see Connor Basilak with worse supporting talent moving the ball. Yeah, it's tough to imagine a path. They do have a receiver who's pretty decent, uh, ODU Hilaire. And he's the best receiver Michigan will see in the non-conference. So it may not matter at all because Bazelak may have a half second to throw on every play. So we don't care. But that is one that will be interesting just to see who gets matched up on him and, and that kind of thing. If there is situations where they can pass down the field. And even if they don't have time, sometimes they just throw it at him. I mean, the, he had four catches on nine att- uh, targets in the Liberty game and he had no drops. I mean... And a couple of those were circus catches. Like he's the guy you just throw it at if you're in trouble. So uh, that is something that that may be a little interesting. Yeah, one of the videos you posted was kind of a, like indicative, though, right? Because it's Hilaire making this incredible one-headed cat catch on a pass that's well behind him. Yep, on a four-yard drag route. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, so... that's that's the one concern that I could pull up though is you know Hilaire is fantastic at finding little spots in your zone and setting up and you know if he's on Samer still that's probably a just good matchup for Michigan if they get him matched on Quinton Johnson like that's going to just be leaking yards well I'm, I don't think that they're going to make any attempt to mirror him right because mm-hmm. as Michigan what do you learn about if Mike Sainer still is defending Hilaire not much right but Josh Wallace you know, Keyshawn Harris, Keyshawn Harris, Jair Hill, either the safeties, you know, maybe you leak some yards, but you learn something. So I don't expect that Michigan will go out of their way to match up against the lair. And we did see Will Johnson play a series last week. Yeah. I mean, for, for Michigan, the most critical thing is what happens when Michigan takes their first defensive snap. Mm-hmm. Will Johnson out there? Is Makari Page out there? Is Rod Moore out there? Yeah. And we're, I, you know, Will Johnson. I think he's probably going to be back just because you said he was in the last game. He, in his limited time in there, he like put on a pretty vicious hit that he didn't really even need to because his teammates were already wrangling the guy down, and then they pulled him immediately. So they're like, "Okay, you've done your, you've done your job, Will." Uh, but I don't know. It's I, I think they want to see what else they have. Uh, you know, they've been trying to get uh, Sab as many snaps as possible. Like they left him in the entire game last one. So I know that they want to make sure he's ready to go, which makes me wonder how ready to go the other safeties are. Well, Page played 10 snaps in the opener, <clears throat> and then he didn't play last week, so even if he tweaked something or aggravated whatever he's got, he probably can't be that far from the field. It's Rod Moore that we haven't seen hide nor hair of, and that's obviously a concern. Now, yeah. word inside the program is it's no big deal, but that was word inside the program last year about Nakai Green Hill. Right. Hill Green. Although I'll I just want to note, I saw his family leaving the game. So normally the families don't come if they're pretty sure the kids aren't going to be playing. It's just a, I don't know, one note about whether or not they, I figured that they thought he was going to play this week. All right. Well, let's hope that does come true. We haven't really talked about the Bowling Green ground game. Um, It won't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good summary. Yes. I mean, like I, I almost did one of those really sticky, like, sections in a preview where i'm just like no and then i did that's it uh-huh i actually came i came back and like wrote a little bit more after that but it, like it really did deserve a, a no because if you go back and you look at their previous performances against power five schools they haven't cracked two yards of carry in the last two years and 
if there was something that was going to change that equation, it'd be mobile quarterback. Connor Bazelak is not that, <clears throat> you know, and Alex pointed out in his FFFF that they don't really have a top running back. They've got four guys that they're rotating through. And so like if Bowling Green had a guy who could make up for poor blocking against Michigan, they'd be riding him really hard, right? Like he would have gotten 20 carries against Liberty. Yeah. So that doesn't really seem to be a, a dude who can equate the numbers. There's no earthly way that this offensive line is going to hold up against the Michigan defensive tackles. And, you know, you had Jalen Harrell playing one of the ends, and then Braden McGregor has been a really good run defender so far. So, like, this is going to be another game where it's like Seth does the UFR, and he's like, uh, so the linebackers were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We we have to don't don't ruin my next segment, Brian. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely on the field. They were on the field. They had a great seat. I I wonder if he could have sold them on StubHub. Just been like you know, on the fifty yard line, then the yeah, you get to put line. get to put on the helmet and everything, and just make sure you don't tear your ACL or anyone else's. Yeah. All right. Do we have anything else on the Bowling Green offense? Not really. I mean, they're oh. they have one other receiver who was a Washington transfer who was a four star. You know, yeah, he he actually led their team in receiving in 2021. Missed all of last year with almost all of last year with injury. Hmm. So if he is upright, and I know Alex thought their tight end was pretty decent as a receiver, like if uh, there are instances where Basilak remains upright for more than half a second, that they they could you know get up to a couple hundred yards passing in in sporadic chunks, but. Short of Michigan's backup safeties having a massive bust, it really seems hard to see Bowling Green scoring before it's time to bring in the third string. Yeah, I the only I mean we've seen things along the way so far. Neither of the teams we played so far have had any good receivers, and they've had passes that were beautiful, put right in the bucket, and the guy dropped it, uh, or you know Samer still knocked it out, or Samer still slammed the guy down and it pops out. I have a feeling that we're going to see a little bit better. If they if Bazelak does put the ball up in the air, my guess is he's just going to chuck it in the air and let these guys come down with it and see if they can get any offense out of that. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss, and honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. If you- 
you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Welcome back to Amigo Radio 9.2. We continue our preview of the Bowling State Falcons with the defensive side of the ball. Uh, honestly, I read your post on their defense, Alex, and usually it's like, all right, I'm going to try to get someone's name. And the only names I really came out with were the two outside linebackers, edge guys, where you know they had 38 sacks a year ago. Uh, one of these guys had six of them, and they have seven sacks so far in the season. And if you look at their pro football focus numbers, those guys have a win rate of over 30% right now, which is Liberty in Eastern Illinois. But it it kind of was just going over everything. I felt like if there was anything that was going to like go wrong, that it was probably going to be those guys getting to JJ McCarthy in ways that he has not been significantly pressured like so far this season. Yeah, I mean, Demetrius Hardiman has had a pretty nice season for them. He had six or seven sacks last year, but um, he's really a pass rushing specialist kind of guy, but uh, had some impressive moments against Liberty, no doubt. And I think he's probably the best pass rusher we've seen in the non-conference, which again is a low bar, but that's something to to look for. Uh, the, the larger end side isn't as impressive but they get some interior rush too against some of these teams like i had no issue with the pass rushing and in fact one of the issues they had against liberty was uh various plays where they'd get into the backfield real fast and then realize that was not what they were supposed to be doing and and the play goes right through the lanes they were supposed to be in so uh in terms of their defense i think that's the most interesting thing especially for michigan with an offensive line and tackles that were not sold on yet and um, they, their configuration is the, the very basic four-two-five for for most of the game. You did say that they lifted uh, their nickel for uh, was it a linebacker or another lineman? Linebacker, yeah, a linebacker. So <clears throat> not a team that's going to come in like uh, ECU or UNLV, run a lot of tight front, run a lot of crazy fronts, and and try to get Michigan confused. It just doesn't feel like they're even there yet as a defense. They were 125th in SP Plus last year. They just leaked yards against anyone. And if you try to do that with a defense that's not very good, someone's going to get out of position and your attempt to get clever is going to get you gashed. So it feels like it's going to be another game of the opposition attempting to bend but don't break against J.J. McCarthy on an epic NBA jam heater. Yeah, that is kind of what it feels like. Uh, one guy in particular is uh, Darius Lorfils, the safety, who is <laughs> this season been targeted 10 times in coverage, and he's allowed nine receptions out of those 10 targets. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a quarterback yeah. last year. They converted him in fall camp, not even spring camp. Um, I called him, I called him Mac uh, Lathan Ransom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to be pretty bad when, like, when I make these charts and we, we talk about like who we sign, which is like, you know, who's gonna, who's the guy that gets picked on. Usually for these opponents, we don't even bother signing. And you know, it's it's just not it's not nice. But he he stood out. Yeah. So in that case, if Michigan can get these guys blocked up, 
And it seems like even if you know you need to chip with a tight end, it's going to be more of the same for McCarthy, who we'll get into this in the next section. <laughs> but I have never chartered a game where nothing was tough or circus. Nothing. And that's just how locked in he is. Like every every throw that is to his receivers is on their face mask or their number. So unless he gets moved off his spot consistently, this isn't a team that's going to slow him down. No, I, I don't foresee that. We didn't get to see a ton of coverage snaps in the game I charted because Liberty ran the ball a lot. And even when they dialed up passing plays, they were scrambling the quarterback on about a third of those. So uh, there wasn't a ton of coverage opportunities, but based on what you see, reasonable to to assume guys are going to be pretty open, and also the fact they were a really bad defense last year. Um, well, n- not only that, but against Eastern Illinois, they gave up 7.6 yards in attempt yep. at a 65% completion clip, and that is a not very good FCS school. So given everything we've seen from them a year ago, Again, 125th in SP plus, and what we've seen early this year, it just doesn't seem like they're going to need be anywhere close to the quantum leap it would require to like meaningfully slow down the Michigan passing game. Now the yeah. ground game has been iffy, and sometimes iffy in ways that it doesn't really matter if the uh, opponent you're playing isn't very good. Like if some guy tries to jump around you and you fall on your face, that that's something that's a little, sort of impo- opponent invariant. So. Michigan's decided on their starting tackles. They've now it's about getting the John Runyon out of them because <laughs> John Runyon came in in his first game at Michigan. He had nine pass protection minuses and was just a complete mess against Notre Dame. And then I remember charting the rest of that season in like game four. It was like, well, you know, he's he's kind of okay. And then in game seven, I was like, is this an all Big Ten lineman? And but by the end of the year, he was. And obviously, I think Sharon Moore sees that potential, particularly in Miles Hinton. It's just about seeing that improvement over the course of the season. Now he took a big step from week one to week two, still kind of came in as the Jonas Mouton of the offensive line. Can he do that again in week three? I mean, bringing it back to Bowling Green, they're pretty small up front too. They got like one of the defensive ends is uh, is like a 270 pound guy. They got a 285 pound nose tackle and they rotate those guys out a lot. Um, so, and Demetrius Hardiman was the, Edge, you were talking about earlier, uh, but he's only 240 pounds. You know, he looks like a linebacker. He does not look like a. Uh, I would call them more of a two-four than a than a than a four-two because, like the you know the edges are more Wisconsin-esque. And that's Steve Morrison. We should mention Michigan line All-American linebacker Steve Morrison is their new defensive coordinator. It's his first year there. He's establishing like Michigan's 1990s defensive system you know, moved forward for today. But that's what it is. They're going to learn how to play cover too well. They're going to, you know, use outside linebackers and try to keep everything inside. It's not too dissimilar for what Michigan does. It's just they do not have the players yet, and they're in their first year of installing this defense where they were something completely different last year. So, you know, that's that's what we're, re- we're meeting these guys. So it, it seems like this is not going to be a high-pressure defense. It's going to be a defense that just tries to – keep Michigan from scoring quickly and leads them down the field in hopes so that they can get a field goal. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> 1990s Michigan. We're, let's, uh, All right. Do we have anything else on, on the Bowling Green defense? Not really. No. All right. Quickly on uh, their special teams were really wacky last year. So they were dead averages uh, at punting because their punter punted it a really short, but they never gave up a return yard. They gave up a total of 57 on 70 punts last year. Surprise, the guy's an Aussie, so expect a bunch of line drives, a bunch of rollouts. Um, they replaced their kicker, um, so no really idea what's going to happen there. Um, and they're, they're, they got a touchdown last year, so they were very good at kickoff returns. Punt returns, they, were, they had five different guys return punts. All of them average at least 12 yards a return, which is wild. Uh, but so far this year, they're stuck at 10 yards on three attempts. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and take one last look at back at the UNLV game. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning, or do you need to play catch-up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially... 
we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25% as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. Is your online store sluggish, outdated, underperforming? You may be suffering from chronic crappy website disorder. One in three online stores built by your brother's friend's nephew currently suffers from chronic crappy website. But now, there's hope. Introducing Human Element. Huel has helped hundreds suffering from CCW to turn their online stores around, creating fast, secure, and engaging online experiences that turn visitors into customers and put products back at the top of their search engine game. Before Huel, I had abandoned carts, browser errors, and poorly animated GIFs. Now, with Huel, I can focus on what I'm actually good at, running my business. Jeffrey, would you be a deer and pull the Ferrari around? Side effects may include increased traffic, customer conversions, better ROI, compliments, elation, and early retirement. Why live with the disappointment of chronic crappy website disorder? Speak to your human element consultant today to see if Huel is right for you. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Radio 9.2, this is the point on the show where we took take one last look back at the previous week's game after we have UFR'd every single play. Uh, takeaways from the defense, Seth, seemed to be, oh, look, the defensive line. Oh, look! <laughs> well, I mean, even ahead of where we thought, right? Like, Mason Graham was... No, just... ahead of where everybody else thought. <laughs> I, I, no, no, Mason Graham is even ahead of like where we thought. Unless you were saying like Mason Graham is an All-American this year. I said Mason. I said Mason Graham was Mozzie Smith, who was a first round pick. Like I said, like if he was eligible after this season, he would go in the first round of the NFL draft. Okay, I will okay. not. I will not. I will not. <laughs> I will not have anyone say that I uh, Mason Graham is exceeding my expectations. Well, guess what? He is meeting your expectations. There we go. There you go. Mason Graham, true sophomore defensive tackle, is meeting because the. Uh, it's hard to describe this on radio and whatnot, but Michigan's way of approaching, when you run RPOs, you're basically saying, okay, defense, pick your poison, right? So Michigan says, my poison is the defensive line, right? Come at, double my defensive tackles all you want to and see if they can defeat doubles, even if we let you, or release your guards onto the linebackers, let them get the linebackers all they want to, you're not getting past a single block and defensive tackle. And Michigan won that all game. I, I think I had three minuses on the defensive line all game, and I, one of them was uh, was Cam Good. So it's or uh, no, and, and the other ones and the other one was Rashawn Benny committing uh, a pass, um, roughing the passer. Oh, yeah. yeah, which that was it. And and Graham was. I mean, we knew Jenkins was going to be a monster, and he was. And the the quickness that he gets off the line and gets around a guy, uh, that is the kind of thing that it really didn't matter which 
lineman was across from him. And then Mason Graham, the same thing. He just, there's no way to keep him blocked. He's just going to be like wrestling you down. And you know how much we love wrestlers at defensive tackle. And, and this is why he's just impossible to get control of. And then you add right. Kenneth Grant and it's like, dang. So was this game able to like provide any sort of insight outside of the offensive line? You know, I, the linebackers didn't have to do anything. And then the coverage was, <laughs> yeah, it was it was fine, but it's it wasn't like they were exactly getting tested. The only guy who I really kind of they who they attacked enough times where I was like, okay, I'm getting a better idea of who he is is Quinton Johnson. And keep in mind they have both safeties out. They're trying to get a lot of time in for uh, for Keon Sab, who wasn't really tested that much. He was kind of another guy out there. Uh, and so Quinton Johnson was the one they end up attacking. He plays off by a lot and then he doesn't make doesn't make the tackle and like you know you figured where he was in his career that it probably wasn't happening my sense is that they don't want to put two true freshmen out there the other option is like Brandon Hillman but I'm kind of wondering why uh Colasar been starting ahead of him if they're like if they they need someone older right and it's not like they're going to get beat athletically and Quinton Johnson's not really doing it athletically anyway that when you when Colasar came out, he immediately stepped in front of a pass. He was in on another tackle. Like there were he felt like he could fit in and start if they needed him to. And Quinton Johnson feels like that's just it, it's a hole in the defense when he's out there. Okay. Uh on the other side of the ball, obviously the passing game was outstanding. I've mentioned this already, but I don't think I've ever had a passing chart where no receiving chart where there is absolutely nothing in the two and three categories that we have circus and tough catches. Everything was routine except for a very small number of incompletions, only one of which was McCarthy's fault. He overthrows Wilson on on a corner route. The other two are a bat down that was instant pressure that he couldn't really do anything about, and then a miscommunication with Fred Moore. Everything else is in the three bin, and that means there's nothing outside the frame. There's nothing that's particularly low. On most of these throws, he's hitting someone in the number of the face mask so that yards after catch are maximized, which you saw on the 47-yarder. I mean, <clears throat> UNLV didn't do enough in terms of coverage to get the same number of big-time throws, NFL throws, whatever you want to call them. We call them dead-ons mm-hmm. that he had in the first game, but just his sheer efficiency was was nuts. Um, and that's the good part. Obviously, the the bad part, and we should contextualize this with the fact that you know Blake Corum, I think he had a success rate of 67% in this game. Um, once you take out backups and dive plays and the quarterback draw, which are not really about uh, your conventional ground game, they did average six yards a carry in this game. So we're fretting over all this. Right. And we're fretting over it because we saw the last two years and we're like, Oh, this doesn't feel like the last two years, but this isn't going to regress into like an average big 10 ground game, even if nothing gets better. So I think that's where we want to start. Um, that said, I caught, you know, a couple of opportunities that Blake Corm didn't take. I caught a couple of cuts that uh, Donovan Edwards didn't take. Um, <clears throat> uh, and I think that the tackle situation is coming in as pretty much the worst case scenario now the worst case scenario was eh, they're fine and that's what we're at right now so they had one pass protection minus between them in this game um but barnhart just completely whiffed on a linebacker materially for two minus twos and then hitting had like uh, the block of the week where he just completely ejected a guy seven yards downfield the very next day he lunges it uh, never very next play he lunges at someone and literally falls over mm-hmm. so i mean you can see the potential but he's super inconsistent which is one reason i thought that he would he was a likely redshirt candidate because michigan needs to get him consistent and it seemed like the best way to do that was to like take a year you know, get him up to michigan standard and then see what you got yeah. instead he seems to be learning on the job now he did improve considerably from week one I had him for seven pass pro minuses in week one, and he was a minus three on the ground. He got up to even on the ground and cleaned up the pass protection. But <clears throat> they want to run. They want to run a lot of outside zone. Right. I don't think Hinton can do it. No, I mean there's there's a difference between like Keegan can't do it just because like that's not how he's built, and Hinton who is just completely wrong for it. What, and, and like so, what happens is if they try to run zone 
stretch to the left, he's got to deal with a guy who's lined up inside of him, you right. know, all the time. And you can't really do a whole lot other than delay that guy, but you really need to delay that guy. And usually that's a cup block. And we saw him try a cup block in this game that just nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a second play where he just straight up got beat. Like the defensive end pushed him two yards in the backfield and disconnected. And it was a one yard game. And I, I have to admit that I'm confused with what's going on at tackle right now. Um, so it's possible there's an off-field explanation. People have mentioned that Trent A. Jones seems like he's in a rough spot on Twitter, not Twitter, um, TikTok. <clears throat> so I, maybe that's maybe that's a factor. Hmm. Obviously, Henderson didn't get a spring practice in. Is is changing positions? Could be struggling, but I I just it's difficult for me to think that this level of play is going to continue all year. Like either Hinton will get better and Barnhart will get better or the backup guys will get a shot at some point because right now they're kind of holding things back. And that's uh, that's going to be a problem because Michigan last year, like Barnhart got bowled back a little bit. That's okay. Cause everybody else was completely solid. Mm-hmm. But if you have two shaky guys, the number of plays where it's like a one guy play where the, uh, Opposition is mostly blocked, but one guy almost live. Um, hear me? Can is there anybody out there? Yeah, Greg, we're here. We're gonna finish up this segment. Hello, we'll get you on, all right? Greg, we're gonna get you on in a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, any, in any case, so they need improvement there. One thing that I did think was encouraging is AJ Barner had a. Re- uh, Brian, just one second. We got Greg Harden on. We're gonna take a break and come back and talk to him. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, the video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. 
888-888-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to Emigro Radio 9.2. Uh, we have a very special guest. We welcome in Greg Harden, uh, who most of our listenership has probably already heard of. But Greg Harden has a book out, uh, and I, we're here to, to talk with him about that. Uh, Seth has been running point on this, so I will cede this uh, segment to him. Yes, as the official talks to old guys uh, person. <laughs> we, we established that Greg is not the oldest guy we've had on here before because we've had Jerry Hamlin. But... Uh, Man, you've been around like so. You thirty years at Michigan. What year did? Because uh, you were the the in-house psychologist or sports psychologist for Michigan for thirty years, correct? Well, I have been a lot of things, but never a psychologist. I oh. my background is in social work, oh. and I have been the clinical therapist uh, and uh, since nineteen eighty six. Wow! So you had senior Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> You're absolutely right. In the first class, Ward Manuel uh-huh. and and <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. Ward was a freshman, and Jim Harbaugh was a senior. <laughs> so, so after your first year, were you like, man, these guys aren't as crazy as I thought? Like this is uh, <laughs> this is this is almost normal. <laughs> But, but yeah, you got to work. I mean, you were there, and then you were around until... Oh, I think we just lost him. All right. Well, that's always a hazard of uh, talking to people on the phone. Yeah. Can you uh, tell the audience about his book? Describe it a little bit. So, uh, Greg, it's... Um, let me make sure I pull up the name of the book, because I had it on him. It's called Stay Sane in an Insane World. Um, it's got the forward written by Tom Brady, who is one of the many athletes that uh, Greg Harden helped out. Um, he mostly talks to them about, you know, your mindset, and it's very, you know, very straightforward psychological ideas like, ra- uh, you know, radical acceptance and whatnot. Um, and he, you know, he's helped Brady, he helped Woodson, he helped Desmond Howard, uh, and, you know, not just football, obviously, he, you know, helped a lot of people in a lot of different sports. And, you know, eventually every one of them, especially Desmond Howard, was like, you got to write a book. He was like, okay, finally 2020 hit and he was stuck at home and had nothing else to do. So he wrote it all down because um, we're not going to get to keep Greg, Hard- Greg Harden forever. And um, this message seems to stay. Uh, riding up and down a highway in California. <laughs> Understood. I was, just, uh, I was just telling people about your book while you weren't, uh, while you weren't here. So I, I got as far as... Um, as as 2020 and uh, Desmond Howard was 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 on you to to put something down, and I figure you can tell them why. Desmond Howard uh, was one of the people who, you know, I was a I was a shadow warrior, period, and I was helping anyone that I could in athletics. And Desmond was one of the first people who decided that people need to know who he was working with, and that was uh, during his high. Trophy adventure, and uh, in Sports Illustrated, he referred to me as the secret weapon. And he and others have been asking me to write a book for decades. And uh, the pandemic really gave me a great opportunity to sit down and get stuff on paper. I had an amazing tutor and coach, Steve Hamilton, another Michigan guy, mm-hmm. and it, it worked out beautifully. And so what do you, I, you know, I'm not going to ask you to like, tell us what happens in, in sessions with um, when you're providing therapy to these guys, but you've spoken to so many high-performing individuals. Is that 
similar to a normal person? Are you talking to people who are like just wired completely differently? What are, are athletes significantly different than other people or are the things that you talk to them about things that other people could apply in their own lives? Let's be crystal clear. Therapy uh, will confuse people as to what I always was doing. There were sessions with athletes that were therapeutic were clinical counseling, all of the above. And there were sessions with people who were trying to become the absolute best possible athlete you could imagine. To do that, we still have to open doors to think about and talk about how do you think? How do you process? What, what, what pressures are you under? What kind of human being are you? And so to be able to talk to them about their sense of purpose, to be able to talk to them about what works and what doesn't work, that's where we had to go. And when we talk about the beauty of my job is I got to treat them like they were not different from everybody else, that they were really young people desperately trying to become the best version of themselves that they could create. Who has that kind of, who has a life like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was... I, I mean, obviously, you got to um, you got to be there for a lot of things. Like, what was it? Can you share, you know, some of the stories? What it was like, you know, in the locker room at the time? Like, as you know, for example, Tom Brady having to deal with uh, Drew Henson coming up, or uh, you know, when they are on the quest for the national championship, or when some of these guys, you know, you talked to Howard and you talked to Woodson while they were in their Heisman campaigns. Like, what was the pressure like for those guys? What was going on in the locker room? That kind of thing. And let me tell you, when you see championship teams, the locker room is the critical piece to the puzzle. Coaches, they're going to, they're consistent. Coaches are good. We have some of the best coaches you've ever dreamed of having. But until that locker room decides they're going to be champions, there is no championship. Charles Woodson, I'm afraid I have to share with your audience the truth, was the best athlete I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> right. How are you going to be on defense and, and, and say, don't worry, don't worry, G, we're going to win this. <laughs> but, but I was kicking our butt. <laughs> you just come out of the locker room and you look at me and say, G, don't worry, we got this. And I'm saying, this ain't basketball. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? Go score 20 points? No. Charles Woodson was so confident and so clear that he could lead anybody, anywhere. And if he decided we weren't going to lose, we didn't lose. It was fascinating to watch him. Uh, when we think about that locker room, some of the best work I've ever seen was Lloyd Carr doing that championship run and how he built that team into believing in themselves and each other and fighting for each other and for nothing else. When you talk about Desmond, imagine Everyone's talking about the Heisman. Desmond is like, uh, that's up to them. I have nothing to do with it. My job is to be the best I can be and fight for my teammates. He would turn the conversation away from him every chance he could and talk about his coaches and his teammates. Man, I've seen some stuff. Gentlemen, some of the toughest guys I've ever met, uh, aside from Steve Everett, who everyone would know, and of course, <laughs> And still, the name says it all. Tim Bianca Patuka, <laughs> Walter Smith, and one of the toughest men I've ever seen was a quarterback, John Navarre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, that, had him on here too. <laughs> man, that was crazy. Because when John Navarre took over, remember, uh, Tom was gone, Drew was gone. The line, the best line you've ever seen in your life was gone. And whoever was in that slot was going to take a beating. And this was a freshman, I believe he was. Oh, and sorry. he took a beating. He took a beating the likes of which I've never seen. And came back the next year and dominated. That's a tough guy. I remember. So he, so he had to start because Henson gets hurt in 2000 for the first few games, right? So the first two games, Navarre just, uh, we, lo oh, no, we lost Harden again. <laughs> well, you can oh, continue goes. with your... <laughs> and I'm <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, we're, this is really good. Um, what I was saying is that, uh, you know, Henson goes down in 2000, and they've got that line, but um, 
you know, and they, they play a couple games against MAC teams, and Navarre looks fine. And then the next games they they play at UCLA, and Navarre doesn't look very good. And everyone's like, okay, get get Henson back here as soon as possible. But then Henson leaves, right? He had another year, and people usually didn't leave. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so he leaves for the Yankees, and yeah, you're right. I I was on campus then. I was on the daily then, and I remember the conversation around John Navarre. And you know, it was two years that he took that heat. And then finally, in 2003, he leads Michigan to a Big Ten championship. Obviously, he's got some wide receivers by that point, right? He had Braylon by then. He had Vont. And, but, yeah, I mean, he... But what's understated is his toughness. That was one of the toughest men I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's I mean, it's one of the questions that fans, I think, always want to ask someone, and you have a unique position to know this, is what makes an athlete like that? What is... What's behind that? What, what what are they made out of that makes them an athlete who can com- who can compete at that level? Or do they? Are, are is everybody like that? Or are there just some people normal and some people cr- like different? Like what is? What are, yeah, so it's a good question. Keep going. No, no, that's that's basically it. What's the mindset of of the guys who really succeed? And how how many guys in the locker room are of that mindset versus let's just say a mindset that's not too different from a normal student? Look, the the average person is the average person. And there will be people in the locker room who are just regular folks who are soldiers doing their job. And then there's like the 20% who are so passionate, so fired, have such spirit that they can just, everybody around them can galvanize when they open their mouth. So there's a handful of people like that, man. And you, ha- and you have to have them on your team. But everyone's not going to be like that. But they're going to be guys who are soldiers, who will fight for you and know that they will give everything they've got for you. And we've all got it in us. And what brings it out is always unique. Individual difference is always the name of the game. <laughs> all right. Is there any who, – who, which – because our fans tend to – be the the kind who could like name offensive linemen individually from that period and everything. Uh, who who are we? Do we not know about who was like a really special person or a really special? Maybe not necessarily the most special player, but like someone who was super important to the locker rooms over the time that you were there. Look, uh, let's be real clear, and, and and let's not let the people forget. I got a book that I need you to look at, yeah. <laughs> and you got to look at it and be real clear about. What we're trying to do is not just tell you about the amazing athletes I've, I've worked with, but to teach you and, and let you understand that it's all it's in all of us, the things that come out and what they've shown. Uh, so when you talk about the big the big fellas, John Jansen, you, you think you know him, but you don't know John Jansen was a soldier. And the most interesting story for me is still Jake Long, because, you know, Michael Hart. My mama knew we was going to go to Michael Hart and he was going to go off of Jake Long. Everybody in the country knew what we were going to do and you couldn't stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing could stop it because Jake Long was that guy. 77 has been that guy. You name name the guys that wore 77, those are stories. And you need to be real clear that when we're talking about linemen, we're talking about some of the smartest people on the planet they got to know every play <laughs> but uh when you think about just go ahead no, no, i was I was just going to turn it into you, you can you can continue saying that i was i'll turn it into back to the book oh thank you so much let's go <laughs> <laughs> all right so some of the things that you say in the book are the things that um you were able to say to these athletes and, yes and, and as i went through it there there are messages that my my wife is a psychologist uh she now does something like social work. She works for SEALs. But a lot of the things that you said um, and you were saying to athletes 30 years ago before this was necessarily accepted by everybody are things that are very key to um, how therapy works today or how the, the messages that people have today about being the best version of yourself, not trying to be perfect. Yes. And, um, and I wanted to get you talking about that kind of stuff, too, because that's a those are messages not just for athletes, right? Yes, because the book is not about Michigan. The book is not about Tom Brady and Michael Phelps and Desmond Howard. It's about you. And we know 
the popular phrase is, I want to be the best version of myself. But how do you do it? Can you deliberately and intentionally pursue that dream? Well, one way to do it is in the book, we talk about becoming the world's greatest expert on one subject, you. Training yourself to know your strengths and your weaknesses, opportunities and threats to your dream, you've got to be able to articulate and be clear about what's working for me, what's not working, what what are the ways that I think that are not functional in terms of where my dream is, what are the ways that I think that are doing extremely well I need to enhance and improve on, knowing what instead of just working on your strengths all the time, identify and stop being afraid of your weaknesses. Get help and ask if you can't do it by yourself. The book tells you, ask for help. Use counselors as consultants. How do you get people who don't want to be counseled? I don't need a shrink. How do you get them to ask for help and use help? By telling them to use consultants. If you don't like the consultant, fire them, get another one. That's what you do in, in business. So, when you're running a business called me, myself, and I, you've got to be able to use resources that are available. And that's what the book teaches you. The book also teaches you to give 100%, 100% of the time at everything you do, not just at making money and trying to be powerful, but being a friend, being a, a husband, a, a, a wife, a significant other, by being able to give 100% when you're relaxing, when you're having fun, being able to put in your calendar time for you. This book is going to push you to become the world's greatest expert, but not just that, to be your own best friend. Uh, I, I appreciate it, man. It, it, it certainly resonates with... Um... You know, we talk about this in football all the time. Like, if you're going to be in an offense, uh, if you're an offensive line, you should run what you're great at, right? And and you have to know who your players are, and you have to know as a player what you're good at in order to emphasize your strengths. And those are that's where great players come from. And another thing that resonated that you said just now is, um, you have to be great at something else to be good at the thing that you do, right? So if you're if you're not uh, there, you can be a good football player, but you cannot just focus on football. That's not the whole of who you are. It can't just be who you are. Um, and my self-worth, yeah. my self-worth and self-esteem must not be based on performance. How I feel about me, how, how I accept myself, how I love myself, flaws and all is what we're talking about. To be comfortable in the skin you're in, you may have to practice train and rehearse. You may have to change your paradigm. You may have to get help in order to be grounded. You have to learn how to breathe. Breathing is underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Think about what I'm saying. We teach people in, the, in my office how to breathe, how to slow yourself down, how to center yourself. The other popular term now is mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So how do you get there? Well, yeah, if to learn how to control my breathing, I have to what? I have to control my mind. In order to control my mind, I have to control my thoughts. <laughs> so teaching people how to be grounded. I mean, imagine uh, uh, Tom Brady is, 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 is in your office and he's frustrated and he's confused. That was in the beginning. Now Drew Henson is, is on board. He's frustrated and confused. You know, Tom Brady is trying to figure out how do I stay sane in what would be an insane world to him. And so you have to teach people how you feel about you must not be based on what someone else says or what they're doing. Control the controllables is teaching you how to be solid and grounded in who you are, who you're trying to become. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you sharing kind of what the mindset of the Michigan program has been. Uh, glad that you came on here with us. Could you want to tell people one more time how to get your book so, uh, so everyone knows? But there's going to be a book signing on Thursday at the MDN. There's going to be a book signing <laughs> on Thursday at the MDN. I don't what what time you'll figure it out. But you better be there because it's going to be fun and you're going to have a great time. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, 
the, the book is at independent bookstores all over all over Ann Arbor and all over the United States. You can get this book and I guarantee you there's something in that book that's going to resonate with you. It's going to capture your attention. And this is about you. Don't read the book, study the book. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. That was Greg Harden, author of Stay Sane in the Insane World. And that's about all the time we have. Brian, anything else as we go? Uh, no. Well, actually, <laughs> uh, Stats of War just posted a new weird stat he's got. Bottom 15 in downfield aggressiveness. Michigan is fifth, so we're not really going for the deep ball, and yet J.J. McCarthy's been this effective. So, all right, check it out. All right. Then one day Boris was visited by demons in his head And they said bring me Ruski vodka or your son may soon be dead So he went to Barina looking for a mean away